Welcome to Building Biotechs, a podcast by Regronomics Consulting. We've helped over 75 biotech, life science, and venture capital firms strategize, hire, and retain thousands of employees to scale companies that bring life-saving drugs to patients. We speak with those at the forefront of growing biotechs to learn their tactics on building these companies from the ground floor to the C-suite. We're your host, Karina and Allison. Today, we had a wonderful conversation with Natalia Mamain. She's the dynamic founder and CEO of RT Micro DX, and her background is really unique. She actually had a background in event planning and strategic facilitation, and then made a complete pivot into the biotech industry. And I just found this conversation so inspiring. Yeah. Natalia is bringing a product to market that has the potential to make a lot of people's lives significantly easier, reduce time going to hospitals and pediatricians. And I am just so excited for her to tell us in her own words all about what they're creating over there at RT Micro DX. And I think our listeners are just going to love her energy. So let's just jump right in. We always love to start with asking our guests about their career path. So would you mind telling us what you wanted to be when you were seven, what you are now, and how did you get there? I don't remember what I wanted to be when I was seven, but a little bit after I was seven years old, my grandmother, my father's mom, moved in with us. She lived in Israel, and then she moved in in our home. And I got to share, we lived in a very small apartment, and I got to share my bedroom with her. So she was like my roommate in my bedroom for a long time. And I got to know her very well and I got to hear all her stories. And the thing that I took the most from her is the fact that her whole life was dedicated to mission work. In fact, in Morocco, where my dad was born in the city called Rabat, they lived in a small, I'm going to call it for lack of better terms, a Jewish ghetto over there. It was like a protected village behind like inside walls and her mission was to help the poor and the sick and she built this entire organization of finding money and recruiting girls to go visit the poor and the sick while she fundraised to help all these people in need of food health care medicine whatever it is And my father and my uncle, there were just the two of them, grew up in this environment of just supporting my grandmother in her mission. She got medals of honor. She was very well recognized for all her mission work. And when I was a little girl, my mission was to create impact the way that she created impact. And so everything that I've done was with the hope that I'm doing things that has some impact. But when I was like, when you graduate, I was just getting jobs, right? But in my heart of heart, I wanted to continue in her footsteps. When I got into event planning, my hope was I can bring smile to people's faces, right? I can bring joy. And when I felt that I was bringing, like, it was almost like a drug, like the more joy I could bring, the more I wanted to do more of these events. But at one point, it wasn't fulfilling me anymore. I just felt like the impact was superficial. It wasn't the kind of impact I wanted. So I decided then to pivot. And I didn't know how to pivot in a way that would be impactful and meaningful to me. And I decided then to go back to school and to earn an MBA in a school that combined business and impact, right? And how do you 
think about the triple bottom line in making things impactful and to not just the bottom line, right? To the people, to the communities and so on. And so I went to Babson and I say proudly, my banner is right up there. And while I was there, I came up with this idea of developing a home diagnostic solution. And the more I expanded on that, the more I said, hold on a second. I've had this like dream of mine to follow in my mom and my grandmother's footsteps. And here I am developing something that can literally change the face of healthcare. And I didn't know that I, it was even possible. Like a little me with no scientific background thought, how can I even think about doing what I'm doing and changing the whole diagnostic space or the diagnostic space and making it home base when I have no idea what I'm doing. But in my whole sort of like world, it was all about how can I take everything I learned from my grandmother who started from nothing in her little village, in her little city in Morocco and build something so enormous that changed so many people's lives and saying, I'm on my way to maybe do the same. I don't know what I wanted to be when I was seven years old, but I knew I wanted to be like my grandmother. She sounds fantastic. What a great role model. I love that story. (laughs) I would read a book about your grandmother. She sounds amazing. Yeah. She was amazing. She got two medals of honor and of all my siblings, I was the only one who admired these. And recently I got a position of them and I'm so happy that they're in my office and I get to see them all the time. And it sort of like pushes me to keep fighting for this mission. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's just amazing. And I love how you were able to parlay that into different industries too. You know, the event planning side of it. I love that because I've had similar experience, you know, you plan an event, it makes you so happy, it brings people joy, it's excellent. And then, yeah, when you're kind of like done with that element of your career, where do you go next? But your pivot is incredible. It is pretty incredible. It's funny because in my life, I have, of all the people I know, and my network's very large, I have the pre-Babson life, right? And I have the post-Babson life. And so the pre-Babson people are thinking, what? Like biotech, like what? And then the post-BAPS in life, in this world I'm in, they're like, what? If you were an event planning, like, how is that? How could that be? So that pivot is really incredible. But if you think about it, the skills are exactly the same. When I had to build events, right, from nothing, I had to bring in the right people at the right time. It was all about putting the right team for the right project, whatever that is, whether it was a 50 people event or 2,000 people event. It didn't matter, right? It was bringing in the right team. And what I'm doing now is basically the same. I'm not a scientist, right? So I had to bring the right people at the right time to fill the gaps that I need to get to where we are today. So one thing just led me to be better at this. It just helped in the overall growth. I love that. And I want to take particular note of what you just said, because a lot of the folks listening to this are people who are coming into biotech without maybe knowing all the ways that they could contribute. And people get really stuck thinking this is their life path and this is the linear path I'm going to take. And I heard this described so beautifully last week. 
with somebody who, like you, had a couple of different maybe vignettes of their career. And he described it as Forrest Gump moments because, you know, in Forrest Gump, Forrest has like such distinct careers. You know, he's running across the country and he's a gump shrimp and he does so well in each, you know, and each thing is such a distinct place, but it's all very Forrest Gump. I really want people to note that these pivots and the way you the way you described that pivot and how you took those skills and transferred them, that is so beautiful. And that's something that, you know, our candidates struggle with if they're going to make a shift. So thank you for sharing that story. That was really impactful. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And I'd love to kind of touch on the building of the team. So can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with RT MicroDX right now? Sort of how many employees? What does that journey look like from idea and to where you are now? And how are you building your team out? The one thing I would say to all the listeners is you can't be shy, right? You know, my philosophy is speak to anyone who listen, like literally everyone that will listen. And so when I graduated from Babson, from my graduate degree, I didn't even know where to start. I didn't know. So I got into an accelerator, which I think these are great because it gives you great structure as to what to do. And what these accelerators give you is the opportunity to meet people. And to talk to people because it just like it just opens up a web of you know, if you think about a spider web, right, everything is interconnected and like you're little here on your own. But as you talk to people, that web kind of like spreads and gets bigger and bigger. And so that first accelerator opened the doors to me to many people, people who validated my idea to people who cautioned me of what it would take. Right. People discourage me, but like people who encourage me. Like it gives you a whole range of type of people. And so from one person to another to another, and it's like, all right, so my mentor is in late 60s, early 70s. He introduced me to his best friend from Harvard, who introduced me to his best friend, which ended up and I ended up meeting with this guy called David Wolf. And David Wolf is a physicist who has been in the medical device space his entire career and was a professor at the medical school. And he's like, yeah, I can do this. And for a little bit of equity, I'll be your advisor. And I'm like, I'll take it. Like, whatever I can get for help, I'll take. And so he's like, okay, I can develop this. But in fact, you need somebody who can understand this, who understands the science. So we need to meet somebody who is worked with me for many years, who's a molecular biologist. So I met him. His name is Dylan. And it was the same agreement. For a little bit of equity, you'll, you know, we'll, you'll be my advisors and I'll, I'll take any help that I can get. And we've grown this amazing relationship with them. And they're no longer my advisors. They're my executives. Like they basically thought this was such a great project. And there was such mutual respect between us that they felt that they wanted to see the end of this. like They wanted to see this succeed. So that's essentially my team. It's the three of us. Now, from there, I've grown an advisory. And again, that comes down to talking to people, showing your personality, showing, showing the passion. I'm very outward about the passion for this mission that I'm, that I'm going for, right? So Showing your personality, showing your passion and showing your dedication allows like it attracts people. So instead of you going to people, it brings people to you. And over the past two years, it's allowed me to build like this great advisory of people who believe in me. Right. Even if sometimes I don't believe in myself because I don't have 
the background or your track record or all the things that make you credible in this industry, I'm still building an immense amount of supporters that want to be part of this mission as well and to seeing it succeed. You know, so David and Dallin are my executive team. And then from there, we just sort of like grew from there. So we have one full-time employee that works in the lab full-time. And there's the three of us. And the rest are all advisories. And I just feel like I'm, again, taking all those skills that I've earned in my past is bringing the right people at the right time, filling the gaps that I need at that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. I love that. I love that, you know, people have gone from like, oh, yeah, I'm like kind of interested in this to being full blown, like I'm all in, let's do this, which leads me to my next question. Can you tell us about what you're building? Like, what is the product? I obviously know I'm very excited about this. So I think what you're onto is an absolute game changer. So can you you share? Of course, of course. (laughs) So this all started when I was in Babson, we had to come up with a new business idea for one of the classes, right? And all that is some, so much in the past, but really like where it all started. Now, very, very long, um, years ago, and I tried to remember how many years ago, it was not even as a planner, I think it was in even my earlier life, I went to a, a breakfast networking event. It was hundreds of people. And the speaker was a founder of Waze. And he started his whole talk with, I hate being in traffic. And so I built something that allows me not to be in traffic, right? He said, like, the best ideas come from the biggest pain points. And I don't remember hearing anything else from that talk, just that. And so, and I never had to, like, think about it again until we had to come up with a business idea, uh, you know, in, in my MBA program. And I thought about what's my biggest pain point. I'm a biggest pain point. I'm not even kidding. Like over like crying babies or anything as a parent of four is taking my kids to the doctor for strep test. Like it truly is a pain point to me because as a parent, you know, you kind of know if it's strep and whether your kid is sick enough that needs, you know, treatment and you kind of know what it's not, but you have to make sure, right? And the process it's so it's it's so awful. Like calling the doctor. I mean, we're all familiar with it. Like right? going to the doctor, waiting in line, whatever, waiting in the waiting room, holding on to your kid as they throw up the throat and they're crying and whatever. So I came up with this idea of doing an at-home strep test, and that was my idea. I'm like biggest pain point in my life: strep testing my kids. We have to have a home strep test. But I was like. I want something as easy as a pregnancy test. Like, do you know you pee on a stick and you get your result? I was like, you have to spit into something and get your result. It needs to be as easy as that. I don't want to use a computer. I don't want to use an app. I don't. I just want a pregnancy test for strep. And so that was my North Star. Like, that was like, oh, we, we need this as parents. We, as parents and patients, like, we need this. And so I was so fully dedicated in doing that. And that's what I started off with. I was like, we're going to do a strep test and our strep test is going to be as efficient, as reliable as the throat culture, which is the throat swab that they test in the lab. It has to be as reliable as that. 
it has to be a result at home, and it has to show the results the same way as a pregnancy test. And at the time, we didn't have as many COVID tests, right? But now I could say it looks like a COVID test. So it has to be that one line, two line result. You know, everybody understands it. If it's one line, you're negative. If two lines, you're positive. You get it. We've all done it. Um, and that was my North Star. And I had no idea if that was possible. Like, no idea. Um and so that's what we went on to do. Now, the cool thing is that two years later, it works. Like, we made it work. We made, we developed a small device that is as small as, you know, business card size, where you will spit into something um, and you will get your result on a simple strip. It's one line, two line strip. And the results are as reliable as going to a PCR test. And it works. We're very excited to say that it works. That's amazing. I have a sick child upstairs right now. So I'm like, yes, I feel all of this very much. I am just waiting to have to take her over to an urgent care and do the throat swab thing. So are the tests available now? Where is like the production of the actual like at-home strep test? Can can I go buy one? <laughs> So it's not available yet. This is still in prototyping phase. So now we're just raising funds to make this into an actual consumer product. But, you know, we know this works. It's very exciting. And it, it, I mean, I had so many things in my North Stars. Like, I want a pregnancy test for strep. I want it to be cheap. I want it to be at the pharmacy. I want, I want, I want, right? I want all these things. Otherwise, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Right. If it needs an app, I don't want it. If it needs to plug into a wall, I don't want it. I, I mean, if we're going to invest all these things, all this time and all this money, I need it to be for this huge mission. And what's my mission? My mission is to make diagnostics affordable and accessible. And how do I make it accessible? It has to be priced for retail. And how, what's the price for retail? probably around 30 bucks. That means I need to produce these for really cheap for it to be priced for $30, give or take, right? Give or take 30, 25 to $35. So all these things that I'm pushing for, I have to say like with the help of my team and all this mutual respect that we have for one another, they've been pushing their own envelope to develop something that is possible. And that's what we're going for. So it's not yet in the pharmacies. I wish it was. I wish it was in manufacturing, but not yet. We still have some ways to go. But not that much ways, ways some. That's amazing. So is that price point sort of in line with a copay for taking, you know, a child to the doctor? Is that where you kind of exactly? That? Yeah, okay. I was thinking $30. That's right. What I pay. So there's, you know, but some people pay nothing. And some people could pay upwards of $50. And what's my average? right? My average is about $30, which is where like, if you pay 50, you'll definitely buy the test. If you pay nothing, you have to think about, well, how much will it cost me to go to the doctor on top of like the copay that I'm not paying for? $30 I felt was a good, a good average. And the truth of the matter is when I had my daughter 25 years ago, I paid $30 for pregnancy tests. Now they're 10 bucks, right? It has to start somewhere and that price point allows me to get into the mass market and scale it and then bring the cost down from there. 
Absolutely. And you know, the groundwork is laid now with the COVID tests because we're all so used to just having a few of those in the cupboard, just in case, case. you know, and I'll take one if I'm not feeling very well. And, you know, hopefully it's negative and you don't really get upset if that that $30 because you didn't have to go to the doctor. Correct. And the problem with with physicians today is that we have so many problems with access today for good healthcare. We, you know, there's a multitude of access issues. One of them is the fact that we're losing our physicians. We're losing them to retirement. We're losing them to depression, to overload. We're losing them. And in a few years, we're looking at a huge gap of over 100,000 doctors that will be missing within the U.S. to sustain all our healthcare system. So how do we bring diagnostics? How do we test people and diagnose people in a way that's efficient and giving people a little bit more control, right? So you knowing that you're not sick eliminates so many doctor visits and so much need for doctors. Now, I don't think this test is going to fix everything. Like, I don't think I'm changing the world, but I'm making a dent, right? And that dent is what I'm shooting for. I mean, I think that the thing is, too, that I never really understood how dangerous strep can be. But if you don't diagnose strep and you let that go and you think, oh, it's just a cold, whatever, that is actually, strep is actually very dangerous. So I think I would argue that by putting that in the hands of people who maybe can't get the time off work, who maybe have a fear of doctors, you know, I mean, there's a myriad of reasons people wouldn't go to a healthcare setting. I would say that is changing the world or it's certainly changing some people's worlds because the more we can empower people to take control of their own health, I mean, that's a massive impact. It is. And, you know, I think strep is a big issue. I mean, my daughter, who's 25, she had undiagnosed strep. And the bacteria can lodge itself in different places if it's not treated, right? I mean, treating for strep is easy, right? Simple antibiotics. We all know it. But if you're not treated for strep, that bacteria can kind of move in your body and lodge itself in different places. Many people die of heart failure because of strep, because it lodges itself in the heart. My daughter's undiagnosed strep bacteria lodged itself, which I didn't know, in her lower back. And she was in excruciating back pain for two years. And I think what happened is that she probably got treated for something else that ended up treating that bacteria. But literally, like, she couldn't even go to class. It was so bad that we checked every single doctor we couldn't figure out until one doctor was like, you had some kind of like bacteria back there. So not diagnosing is a problem. So what happens is, which is another problem, is the fact that many doctors don't want to test. And I think that it's happening in the U.S. It's greatly happening a lot in Europe where they don't diagnose and they don't test at all. And what they do is they just prescribe. So if you have onset of symptoms, all they do is prescribe, and then you have a you have this resistance to antibiotics, and that becomes another problem because how do you then treat other things that need treatment? So there's problems in different parts of the world that I think this becomes a catalyst. Now, we talk about strep, but the cool thing about this technology is that this system that you see here is not proprietary to just strep. Depending on the formulation I put in here, it's a mono test, it's a flu test, it's an RSV test. This is a true platform technology that allows for me to test about anything. So no matter what I put for the formulation of the detection that we want, so if we want to detect for strep, we'll put a formulation for strep, and now this is a strep test. 
But I can do that for multitude of different indications and different samples. So I can right now I'm I'm focusing on saliva, but over time we can use blood, we can use urine, we can use other types of samples as well to test for other things. So the opportunity that evolved from this strep idea has now exploded into this huge, into this very exciting solution. That was my next question is where does this go next? This does seem like a really versatile platform. So how are you thinking about that? And this may be too soon to ask, but how are you thinking about that in terms of your next steps, in terms of getting funding and all of that, you know, that comes next? So we are already working on the design of the formulation for mono. And I think mono is the next indication that doesn't get the treatment that it needs, right? So mono is rampant in colleges. And by the time you get tested and diagnosed for mono, you've already spread this thing like 10 times over because they don't know that it's mono, right? So you get tested for strep more often than you get tested for mono, mono because it needs treatment. But testing for mono is just as important because it's highly contagious. You need to really isolate and some people get sick for a really long time. So What's the death toll on mono? I, I don't know that I don't know that it gets that far. I think people generally just get better from mono, but it could take months. It could take months of you not going to school, months of being in pain, months of being like completely debilitated from mono. So I think that that is something you don't want to spread yet. You're not tested that often for mono. So mono is another sort of like illness that we feel is the next indication that we want to address because it's a big market, right? It's you put this in the hands of all these students, just test whenever you're sick. So it'll be test for strep, test for flu, I mean, COVID or flu or strep or mono, and then one of them will go. But also like the magic in using this is that over time, we're hoping to have a multi-panel device where with one sample, we'll be able to test more than one indication, which was, you know, the top ones. And we're looking very far ahead, but it's not that far because once we have strep done, to then take this and make it another test is going to be very quick, very quick, right? It's the, the system is already built for just creating a new indication. I mean, I just keep thinking about, imagine like the day comes where all these kids are going to school or university or wherever they're going. And it's like, you know, Welcome pack. Here's your orientation. Here's a couple of these tests. Keep them when you don't feel good and don't come to class. Thank you very much. Wouldn't that be fun? It would be amazing. Because also, I think the number of times where people don't feel good, but they push it, right? Like, well, I don't know if I'm really sick. So I'm going out and we've all experienced this because of COVID. And I think that's where the work from home thing became so interesting. And people saying, well, like, don't come into work if you're sick. I mean, but sometimes it's hard to tell. Sometimes it kind of is like, am I run down? Or is it mono? Or is it strep? Or is it the allergies? I mean, so I think the empowerment of knowing, like, I'm good to go out in the world or like, oh, I'm taking a couple of days is so important. I think this is just amazing. I love it so much. Thank you. So you've heard my feedback. What about other customer feedback? Have you guys gotten to the point where you're hearing sort of a lot of insight on the product development? How have you kind of taken that into account as you've built this out? So the funny thing is that when I talk about what I'm doing and saying, as soon as I say, oh, and my first indication is stress, I almost feel like if I had a script and I gave it to anybody that I spoke to, they would read off the script because everybody is saying the exact same thing 
oh my God, that would be so great. Whether it's physicians, whether it's parents, like they all say the same thing. Like I need this or I needed this or yeah, the throat swab, going to the doctor for no reason. Like I'm telling you, if I had a script of all the things that I am doing this for, it's almost like that's exactly what's regurgitating to me each time I talk about what I'm doing. So I get validation for this need that I'm addressing time and time again. Where we are struggling a little bit is on the fundraising side, but I feel like it's a tough market to begin with. It's tough to be in diagnostics because diagnostics has a bad reputation from just history of diagnostic solutions gone bad. And so it's just a question of like, keep pushing, keep fighting until we get to where we want to be. And I'm not going to stop. I'm just not going to stop. What people don't know about me is that I am relentless. <laughs> and I think that that is something that anybody that wants to go in this business or any business for that matter is you have to be relentless. Over the weekend, I was walking my dog and I was asking myself, like, when will I quit? Right. And, you know, there were some bad days, some tough days. I won't say bad, but tough, draining days last week. And, you know, and I keep asking myself, like, what if I don't get the money or all these what ifs? And I said to myself, I said, I can't look at what's going to happen in two months or in three months or in two weeks or in one week. I can't think about what if for that far. I have to every single morning get up and say, can I fight today? Right. If I can fight today, then tomorrow I have enough strength to fight another day and I can reassess. And so things are hard. It's a hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've done some hard things along with having four kids. <laughs> That's not easy. But this is hard and there's always a door for me to get out of, right? I can end this if I want to, if I'm too tired. But as long as I can fight one more day, I'm going to keep going. And I'm relentless. So it's not about not quitting. It's about keep fighting. And that there's a very big difference between the two, right? You can look at ending it or you can decide to just keep fighting and keep moving forward. And that's what I'm deciding to do every single day. Yeah, you can see it. It's your determination writ large. I love it. I have a post-it note on my desk that just says, you can do hard things. Love me. And it's something that every day, you know, it is. It's every day you have to just say, today, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to get my get myself out there. And you are doing the right things because uh, we came across you at a networking event. We've seen you at multiple networking events. Like you are definitely out there, which is great. And it is a relentless pursuit. So we're rooting for you uh, too. Thank you. And it is hard out there right now. This has been a really, this has been a challenging time. So you're also not alone. Yes. <laughs> that is the recurring theme that keeps coming up as we talk to different guests too. It's just like, oh, this market has been such a battle. So the good news is I think there's brighter days ahead. I think we're starting to see the shifts. And so I'm really optimistic about that. But yeah, you are not alone and you got to fight every day. You know, when I started two years ago, I met this guy. I don't know how I found him, but he's an amazing guy who has been such a great supporter of mine. And, you know, we met a couple of times. You know, he had a doubt. I didn't have much, you know, in my back pocket. Like, I didn't have much of anything other than this great idea that I thought was a great idea. And then he told me, he says, Natalia, are you ready to fight the next 10 years and possibly fail? 
And I said, I need to ask you a question. Is this possible? He says, no, it's possible. It'll be hard. I said, all I need is possible. That's all I need. If you told me it's impossible, then I'd be like reconsidering. But as long as I have possible, I have fight in me. And every single day that I, that we come up with new ideas or new data or whatever, I can see the possible get bigger and bigger. And so that's what I'm going for. There's no follow-up to that. You are an incredible guest. This has just oh, been thank like, you. Oh, I just, I love your energy so much. <laughs> I've gotten an enormous amount of support, right? They say it takes a village and it really does take a village. And you don't know where your village is going to come from. And you don't know how it's going to get to you. You just, you don't know when you start something, right? It's like when you're giving birth to a little baby and you feel all alone in your house and you're like, will I ever feel okay again? And then one day your neighbor comes by and gives you whatever, a plate of something for dinner. And then you realize your village is kind of growing that way. And it's the same thing when you build a company. You just, you're all alone. It's very lonely. It's very lonely, but you go to all these events and you talk to people and you get, and people like reach out to you and you realize your village is growing and growing. And and the message I want to give out is I would be honored to be part of anybody's village that needs it, right? I've had the offer sharing you of having great supporters. And I'll tell you, I don't know if I'll succeed, right? You know that at the end of the day, no matter how well you do and how hard you work, this can fail. You know that, right? But that's not what you have to look at. You have to look at the today and today it's working and tomorrow you keep fighting. But it gets awfully lonely. And I think that the message I want to put out is I'm grateful for the village that was built, that was built around me organically. And if anybody needs me to be part of their village, to just reach out because it's all about giving back and hanging forward. And that's the only way that I know that I can do it is to help in the support of somebody who wants to, you know, if I can help, I will help. And I want to be part of that. So that's one. The other one is if anybody has interest in making this happen, please let me know. <laughs> because I am looking for support, more support in financial ways. I want to see this happen. I want to change people's lives. And until I can get I will feel like I've accomplished something when someone, and I, I probably will never know who that person is, right? But if someone who is an hourly worker and has a sick child can test and know that it's fine to go back to work, right? It's like, that's what this, this is the impact that I'm hoping to bring into the space. And so... That's sort of like my success, and I'm hoping I can bring people along with me for the ride. Well, we will do our best to support you, and we are part of your village, too. I'm honored to be part of your village, and hopefully, you know, somebody listening to this podcast has some ideas. We certainly are connected with quite a few folks in the funding space, so, you know, we'll be beating the drum Thank for you. Thank you so much. So what pivotal piece of advice would you offer somebody on the cusp of launching their own biotech venture? So you sort of answered that with your your village, unless you want to add anything else there. So somebody once told me, there's two ways of building a company, right? There's, you have a problem and you find a solution, or you have a solution and you find the problem for that solution. And so I don't know which one's easiest. I don't know which one is the better evil. I have no idea, right? So 
I had a problem and I went out searching for a solution. I think that the most important thing in either one of these directions you take is you have to love what you're doing, right? You have to love the solution or the problem that you're addressing. Whether it's the science part and that's the solution, you have some kind of like science related, you have whatever that is, and then you're looking to build it in, you know, to apply it into a problem. You have to love this and you have to kind of like imagine the change it could make. And in my case is I have a problem and it's a real problem, right? I am so passionate about addressing this problem. And so thinking about, oh, I want to get into biotech space. I'm looking for an idea. Then if you're there, you're not ready. I don't believe you're ready. You have to be ready when you take, when you like, you breathe and dream of constantly thinking about the thing that you're building and trying to find something because you want to be in the biotech space until you feel it, you're not ready. You know, somebody came to me and said, you know, I want to be in this space. And I was in the MIT 100K finalist and I came in as one of the runner-ups. And so as somebody who did not win, split up from his team and then came to me and says, you know, I want to be in that space. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do in that space? He's like, I don't know. I'm searching. And I'm like, then you're not ready, right? You have to do what you're doing. With He was, I don't remember what field of medicine he was in, but keep doing what you're doing. Grow into what you're doing. And then at one point, something, something will like, we need to fix that, right? Once that you hit that nail, then you're like, then you shoot for it. You know, and I think that that is what I think people should think about. Like, if you can't just come into the space. I mean, you can, but you would be spending a lot of wheels, a lot of time, whereas you can spend that time in growing in what you know best until you find it. And I can't tell you how long it could take for you to find it, but one day you will. And once you do, then you shoot for it. That's my advice what it's worth. (laughs) I really like that, though, because I think that kind of brings us full circle back to the beginning where we talk to people who they want to be in biotech, they think, but maybe they're not entirely sure of the path, or maybe they don't know if they want to be in biotech. But this idea that things are nebulous, you know, really very few people ever pick their path and they stay on it. And so if you have a vague idea, it's okay to take your time. You don't necessarily have to just jump into it because that's what you want right then. Just kind of percolate on it and keep growing keep developing your unique skill set. And then it, like you said, it will come together. Right. I never knew I was going to be in biotech. Like I sometimes I wonder, I like, what am I doing? And even when I introduce myself, oh, what are you doing? I'm a bi- I'm like this, I'm a biotech founder of what? <laughs> right. I have a hard time even like believing that that's what I'm doing because I never thought, like you never think about the, like I never thought about it, but I had a problem to address. It was my personal problem. And the problem with so many people, right? And then when I looked at the so many people, then your problem is no longer what matters. It's the it's a global problem that you're trying to address. So I can't say, you know, I've wanted to be in biotech my whole life. That would be a lie. I came upon it because that's the solution that I was building for. So whatever, whether you're in biotech or whether you're in consumer product or whether you're in whatever, Right. I think that what's important is that you truly feel passionate about the thing that you're building. And so that's what 
I think is the most important because those are the ones that are resilient and relentless. Because if you don't really feel it in your gut and you want to fight for it, then you can take that exit door anytime. So we normally ask people where they see themselves in the next phase of their career, but you are firmly entrenched in this. Do you have any thoughts about that? Or are we just, we're going for this? All, all the time. You know, I'm celebrating 50, I'm, I'm starting to celebrate my 15th birthday in a month. And I ask myself, you know, what's, what happens next? Well, in my heart of hearts, I feel like I'll never stop, I'll never stop working ever. I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know if it's going to succeed and I'll grow into this big thing, or I don't know if it'll get acquired and I won't have any access to it, or I don't know if it'll ever go anywhere, right? I think about it, but like I tell my kids all the time, I've told my kids this all the time. I said to them, I said, you only cross the bridge when you see the bridge, because the bridge may never come, right? And so until then, you just keep moving on ahead. Don't think about the bridge. Don't think about whether it comes or whether it's not going to come or what will you do if it's there. You just deal with it when it comes. And right now, I'm in the point of this venture where I can't see that far. I think about it sometimes. I kind of like keep it in the back because, you know, that's a bridge that may never come. I may just do this until forever. Like, I may not, I have no idea. So find a good balance between being a mother and a founder. I love that. Obviously, I mean, I can't even imagine how much of your day-to-day and just your headspace is just taken up by thinking RT Micro DX and all of the many things that come with building the company. But when you take time for yourself, when you go off and do things just for you, what do you like to do? So I'm a huge entertainer, believe it or not. We just celebrated Rosh Hashanah, which is a Jewish New Year, and I hosted a lot of people. I think in all, there must have been 60 people over four meals at my house, and I cooked and entertained, I cooked and baked for every meal and loved every single one of them, enjoyed the time I had with just our little family or family of seven or the table of 20 that I had, right? It doesn't, it didn't matter. I I love it. I, I love to see happy faces here celebrating with us. So I love to do that. And so when I'm not working, I'm usually, shouldn't, especially this summer year. But I also love to run. I use running to clear my head. I use running for inspiration as well. Sometimes when I'm stuck, I'll go running and things sort of like give me clarity and I can, I get it. Like, how do I address this or how to respond to this? And then, you know, running allows me to do that. Balance is hard right now. I can't say I'm a workaholic. Like, I'm not working through the night like some founders told me it would be. I I don't do that. I do check out at a decent time to watch a show with my kids or to watch a football game with my son. I believe in having some balance. My head is spinning all the time. So I want to work on being more present at times, but I try to find things that kind of like give me that balance with my family. So yeah, running, cooking, entertaining. I mean, you're really putting that event planning to use. That is a massive amount of people to be hosting and cooking for. That's incredible. I bet that was just an amazing weekend. Yeah, it was a great weekend. (laughs) It was a great weekend. And you know what? I believe it. I believe in also, I truly believe in 
and I don't know if we're going over time, but I truly believe in, after COVID was hard, right? COVID was hard on all of us. And my daughter got married during COVID, like at the thick of COVID, she got married July of 2020. So when there were no weddings happening, so she had a very small, 20 people, little thing in somebody's backyard. It was a very draining, exhausting experience. And I believe today, for all of us who have survived it and came out on the other side, which is most of us, we have to celebrate every celebration. We just we just have to. So nothing should come in the way of celebrating, of being together, of gathering, and of finding joy whenever you can. So nothing is going to come in the way of finding the time to do that. I, I believe in that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. This was a really fun conversation. And I think our listeners are, are going to really resonate with you. You're very authentic. It's just been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Natalia, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Is it LinkedIn, email? What's the best way for someone to find you? They can find me on LinkedIn. They can email me. It's Natalia at rtmicrodx.com. Natalia, it's N-A-T-H-A-L-Y-A. I know it's weird, but that's how my father decided. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really make myself available to talk to just about anybody who wants to talk, share, and support. So they can find me, yeah, just to reach out. Awesome. And we will put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well. So you can connect right through there. Building Biotechs is brought to you by Recrudomics Consulting. To find out more about Recrudomics Consulting and how our fractional talent management consulting services are helping biotech and life sciences companies grow more efficiently and retain employees, visit www.recrudomics.com. And then make sure to search for Building Biotechs, a podcast by Recrudomics in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Recrudomics Consulting, thanks for listening.